the Munster edition of Craggy Island Rugby, the home game. I've got William, Dave and Rob here. We're, what, just over an hour before kickoff. There was people literally running in the gate when they opened the gates to get good spots. There's people sitting all around our spots. We normally have, you know, plenty of time to get to our spots. Not today. It's a huge one, William. It's absolutely massive. There's a great buzz. Uh, I didn't run uh, in the gate because I got here very, very early. But people were sprinting to get their spots. And uh, they're, uh, they're sort of coveting them, spreading out. Uh, it's almost warm here. And we're all, yeah, we're all set. It's, it's building. You just know this is going to be kind of seismic now. Glasgow's demolition this afternoon of the uh, Neckley Scarlets. It's must win. Must win. It is indeed, Dave. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pressure is on this game, but also some of the pressure has been taken off after uh, what Leinster did last night to Edinburgh. We're, the primary objective all season has been to get into Europe. We have three games to get a point. That's the primary goal. It's not going to be the goal, but it's the primary goal. We can get it done today. It means we can go into the last two games focusing on effectively the gravy. We have the meat and potatoes could be done and dusted today, and that's the way they have to do it. If we can get, if we can get four points today, sets us up nicely for the last two games. And hey, I'd love it to come down to ourselves in Glasgow for a home semi-final because that could be one of the greatest games of rugby because those those are probably probably the two best teams in the competition, even allowing for Leinster being top of the table. Rob. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Good point about the primary goal, but as having said that, we're there already. We're in the we're in the Champions Cup. There's just no way it's going to change. Not that you weren't saying that, but uh, so primary goal now for me is if we don't get to top four, it will be disappointing. Beyond that, I think anything's a bonus, and I come around to Alan's way of thinking on that, which is this game's really important because this is the one that'll underline a great season. Probably need to be Treviso as well, if we're all being honest. It'd be a bit silly to lose that one, but lose to Glasgow once, twice. As long as we play well, which I have no doubt we will, because we always play well in parts of games, it'll be a great season. So this is good good times. Munster fans are here, feeling a little bit nervous. The team are here, definitely feeling the pressure. Connacht are here, nothing to feel nervous, nothing to feel pressure about, just get stuck in. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a little bit of a breeze that's due to die down, but the sun is shining, the pitch is looking solid. Um, should be a great game. We'll talk to you 10 minutes before kickoff. Richard Connor in the Oh, God. Okay, William, about eight minutes to kick off. Connacht have started their jogging. It's a massive crowd tonight. Yeah, it's a massive crowd. There's a massive buzz here. Everybody's talking. What do you think? What's going to happen? It's just a huge game, and it it has that mm, steely, on a knife edge kind of uh, feeling about it. Everybody's really wound up. Should be a great one. Okay, William, it's just gone 20 minutes. Monster leads 7-6 and have a, an attacking scrum that's gone down twice now. Um, this, is, this is not the game we wanted. No, we've been a little bit edgy. We've made a few errors and it's started to get a bit messy in the scrums. Monster trying to slow the game down, which I think is the, the way they want to play it. Um, we were badly caught here. We tried to pass the ball out of the fence again. I can't see it myself. It was, should have been get the ball from the kickoff. We just scored three points and get it back down the pitch. It was, it was, it was a poor pass, knock on. They've got, now got the scrum bang in the middle of the post. I like it. We do have the wind. <laughs> you know, we should be using it. Yeah, and it's also helping their defensive line because they, they, they just don't expect us to kick, so they're coming up in a line. They're, they're, they're not leaving anybody back. Okay, William, it's just half time. Monster are down to 13 men. Connacht have just got a penalty try, um, which O'Leary's going to hopefully pop over the post. That's just an amazing 20 minutes. Well, it's an amazing 40 minutes because it seems to have gone by in about 10 minutes. Uh, it's such a rock and roll ride for Connacht. And uh, what can you say there? It's 20 points to Connacht, 14 to Munster, and Munster down to 13 men for at least two more minutes. Yeah, it's been an incredible half. Seemed to pass by in a flash. Um, Connacht just keep doing what they do. They've brilliant passing the ball out of defence. They didn't panic when they went 14-6 down. They've tightened up in the last 20 minutes. They've absolutely owned the game. 
Uh, I think Munster are a bit shell-shocked, really. They, they got into a fairly handy 14-6 lead. Uh, referee is on their case as well. He's taken absolutely nothing from them. And, uh, well, I, I don't really know what's going to happen in the second half. I don't actually think you can call it. It's just, uh, it's another mad adventure. Bananas, game. Brilliant, but bananas. William, it's 61 minutes, Connacht 25-14, and Munster have just been denied a try for a knock-on. Yeah, looked like, looked like a try for all the world. We went to the TMO, uh, ebb and flow game, but Connacht have been doing very well. Munster have been in charge for the last few minutes. It's still going to be very, very tight. I'd like to see some Connacht subs on. I think a few of our guys starting to walk just a bit now. It's a very intense game. OK, we'll, we'll talk again on 70 if this game stays tight. OK, William, 72 minutes. Connacht lead, 32-14. This is done and dusted. It's done and dusted. Bonus point territory. It's just an incredible performance. Winning all the contacts now. Munster look a bit bedraggled, to be honest with you. We've just got to run this down for the next eight minutes. Something I've never, ever seen in a game against Munster. It's, uh, it's quite a night. It certainly is. Major statement made tonight. Major. to take breath there. Final score, 35-14. What a statement from Connacht. Absolute statement. Absolute murderous performance. Speed, accuracy, physicality. Won all the breakdowns. Old Munster for the last 30 minutes. And they demolished them. They absolutely played them off the park. They look a bit shell shot coming off. I don't think they expected that. I don't think any of us did. Bonus point win. And it just sets up the rest of this amazing season to just keep rolling forward. We are the real deal. It's the post-game section of the podcast. Connacht have beaten Munster by 35 points to 14. I nearly missed that at the end. I was crowning the victory before Shane O'Leary had kicked the winning post. Nice Shields back on the podcast. Thanks very much, Rob. Great to be here. It's good to have you here as well. Dave Finn is continuing to be on the podcast. Yes, indeed. Lindley McKenzie, your thoughts? Delighted, of course. We've heard enough from the lads. They're here just checking their phones. We'll get back to them in a while. Three wins of the last four now against Munster. Considering before then it was one win, one draw and 22 defeats. These are these are good times. All these milestones just stacking up, aren't they, Rob? I mean, first time we've beaten Munster home and away. One milestone ticked off. But, of course, the most important one, of course, is the Champions Cup qualification. And I think to do it with two games to go, to do it at home... To do it against a fellow province was just absolutely extraordinary and it was the best thing that all supporters could hope for. 29 unanswered points, Steve. Yeah, uh, I don't know what I expected coming up. I certainly don't know what I expected at 14-6 down after 25 minutes. I definitely didn't expect to score 29 unanswered points. Um, yeah, what can you do? There you go, guys. That's how you do it. You watched the game from the Greyhound Stadium side, and I you got a different perspective on it. Not really. It was just it was unbelievable. It was yeah. really unbelievable stuff. Um, they're really managing without uh, without the likes of Jack Carty there so well. I was looking at it was the first time I really stayed a little bit detached watching them. The way they're playing off of yeah. ten, their first receiver is unbelievable. It's fantastic. What do you think of Leary tonight? 
Uh, he was good. He was very good. Yeah. He was, in fairness. Uh, simple, simple rugby. Like, you know, the, it's it's actually it's funny. It's not like they're breaking any of well, the breaking records, but it's not like they're, you know, rewriting plays or anything like that. But they're keeping real nice, simple rugby. It's fantastic. I think he's growing into the role after a couple of weeks. He's definitely developing, maturing. He's very confident. And sure, there's a couple of mistakes made, but I think he... I think, he he was perfect. He was he was great tonight, and he he's really growing into it, and maturing. Friends of the podcast, Michael Corker walked past Alan and said, uh, "There's about 45 lads out there recording the podcast. You better go out and trim it down, or else we have about six hours." So I've got Alan and William here as well. We've all heard from you on this podcast, but us guys here haven't heard from you. How do you feel? Uh, yeah, you know, it was a good yeah. win. Yeah, yeah, you know, 14 points conceded. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, you worry about, you know, How can you let them get that far in front? You know, much a friend, much a friend, texted me and said Ben Whitehouse is a disgrace, and I replied, yeah, he's the only reason we won the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. End of story. Anthony Foley would certainly have some issues with some of the decisions that were made there because he did in the press conference afterwards. Seeding. I'm going to welcome William into the podcast before I bring Dave in on that. Tough luck they lost. Losing coaches often are disappointed with the officiating. Munster have been getting away with stuff for years. And I think the problem tonight was they kept yapping at this referee and he doesn't like it. I said that in the, the build-up show on Galway Bay FM. It's a thing he's... Maybe he's a bit obsessive about it, but that's... I think the first yellow card was, was caused by somebody just continually complaining. And he he's drawing a line. Some of the younger referees are getting very fed up with this. They don't handle it in as quiet a way. They're not as intimidated no, by no. senior players. No, no, no. I mean, let's be honest. That was the fourth penalty of the scrum. At some point, a referee's going to get annoyed with you anyway. Yeah. Now, Cronin was... Say a- that, uh, the big thing that Anthony Foley specifically po- called was he felt, without question, Finley Beanham should have been penalised for what James Cronin was penalised for when he was in... Well, that's very hard to I mean, he, yeah, Unlike us, he had the benefit of a replay. I need to see it. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's wrong. But ultimately, the referee decides that James Cronin's at fault. And he does get up. And he does say something. Now, I don't know if he said something until after the card was displayed. But I do know that Dunnock Ryan got very upset with James Cronin and ordered him off the field. So I'm sorry. Foley has a problem with what Ben Howells did. He should also have a problem with his player not getting off and not just running off the field. Confer that, Billy Holland knew he did something wrong, ran off the pitch, no complaints, no arguing back to the referee. And in fact, the only 10 metre moved forward was for us at the very end of the game because we said something to it. He's consistent, if nothing else. You don't have to agree with him, but at least he's consistent. And mm-hmm. Connick scored four tries and won 35 14. So at the end of the day, funny feeling, one decision didn't just cost us that. Absolutely. But he needs, he needs but at the end of the season, he needs to have a real think about what he's going to do because his attitude is reflecting on his players they're not happy you can tell they're not happy playing the rugby that they're playing uh, Ian Keatley's confidence is destroyed for whatever reason um, and he's not building them back up so he needs to look at himself it's sad enough to see Munster that way actually we're sad enough for any Irish province to be that way we were like that for long enough but um, it just, just doesn't help when afterwards like when you've lost by 18 points and you're focused on one decision I mean I understand his, his, his frustration but it just doesn't help anyways let's move on wow okay so the wow factor. Did I, what did I say? 18 points to 1 by 21 points. Is it? Yeah, anyways. Yeah. If, you remember, if you remember while we were setting up your goalie bay beforehand, I said to you, we're either going to hammer them or we're going to lose. Yeah, you did. And, and, like, and I have to say, I thought we might lose this one. I just thought maybe this might be a bit tricky with all the injuries and everything. But boy, yeah, that's exactly how it played out. It was, and it's, it's a set of belief, actually. To, <laughs> when we were trying to play our way out of defence quite a lot, one of the guys here was just unbelievably negative. And they eventually turned around and said, Gee, just, just stop. You know, we, we, we've won so many games this year playing like that. You just have to believe. The players believe, the coaches obviously believe in it, and the results are showing that what they're doing is correct. Yeah, you, I asked you at halftime because we had a bit of equipment issue for a split second, missed a knock-on underneath the post that led to once tries. I, I asked Alan William, like, what happened? And he said, yeah, look, they knocked it on, they forced a pass that they shouldn't have, but sure didn't they force a pass that led to Bundiaki scoring the try as well. It's part of the show. It's all part of the show. <laughs> well, it's the way they're going to keep playing. Uh, and if it does come back and bite them at some stage, then we'll just have to accept it. I'm still puzzled occasionally, but, but when they do it, because I think it will eventually get them into a problem. But they don't seem to mind that, so they're going to—they're not going to change now. They're just going to keep playing that way. Lily, are you calling for any change in the uh, pragmatism? Are you, are you calling for any pragmatism after today? Have, have, did they underline that what they were doing? Is, it seems to be just working. Well, I think when you talk about pragmatism, pragmatism you're usually talking about the way that they they're playing their attacking rugby whether it's defending on their own lines whether it's running out of their you know their own 22 but i think pragmatically just look at the scrum 
So it's not just attacking rugby, is it? Yeah. I mean, we are looking at a scrum that was completely dominant yeah. for such long periods. So that's, that's your yeah. pragmatism. Yeah, absolutely. There's plenty of pragmatism in this team. That's the irony of it. Right? Well, first of all, as well as pra- what were we pragmatic? Yes, we took a penalty in the last play of the game when we, t- t- you know, deferred to rub their noses in it and because we needed more points in terms well, of... Yeah, I think that's professional as well. Yeah. A professional, pragmatic, pragmatic play. You have a chance to go in ahead but you can take a scrum against 13 men or you can take the penalty either way. You could take a scrum, it could go wrong, even against 13. Yeah, or you take there was, the, oh, you there was take a the scrum penalty. before the scrum in the corner. There was a scrum in a very kickable penalty position and it wasn't certain that you're going to score a try. So, yeah. so there was, I mean, you, you just look at what's in front of you, you play what's in front of you. Um, yeah, you look at yeah, the, the knock-on that led to the second try. That was a forced pass, but then thirty, then about five minutes later, you get a, you get a, the same thing effectively happens again, but then there's a mismatch, there's a gap, Bundy's away. And we, and apart from a very good tackle on Peter Robb, we're in for a try in the corner. You take it. You you win some, you lose some. That's the way you go. I'd rather. Here's the crazy part. Munster were unpragmatic in the first 20 minutes. As soon as they went started to be pragmatic, they completely lost their shape. There's a certain degree to be said for pragmatism, but sometimes the joie de vivre, the Johnny Holland's offload, Simon Zeeb, the first try, was beautiful and was the best thing they did in the game. That is not pragmatic. That's playing the game in front of you. Pragmatism is simply overrated. Why is, who brought Angry Dave to this happy little chance? <laughs> it's good, Angry. We like Angry Dave. And you have to remember, we were winning all the contacts. That's the first time I've seen CJ Stander stopped that often all season. Sean yeah. O'Brien owned him at times. Really? Every time yeah. they went into contact together, Sean O'Brien won that battle. You know, and it, it right through the game. He didn't get on the front foot. Tommy O'Donnell, I'd forgotten he was on the field. Conor Murray played some, some really good rugby at one stage, and then I went, oh, yeah, he's still playing. Like, we, we just owned him by winning the contacts. Rugby's still a game about winning the contacts. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, O'Brien, Sean O'Brien was unbelievable. He was mm. very, very good. He's come on in leaps and bounds. Yeah, he's come on in leaps and leaps and bounds. He's playing fantastic. I actually have a stash from the game. No, there's a stash. Oh, no, 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 I'm not in competition. Sorry about this, Dean. We'll just call them Packy Stats and, and see if they're better than Allen's. Bundy Aki made 133 metres out of 20 carries. I, I don't think I've ever seen a stat like that. That's incredible. It's, uh, yeah, and what he came off? What? What? Uh, what Ten minutes to go. Or so. Ten minutes to go. They dragged him off. They did drag him off, and uh, I'd say he's, he's he might have a serious injury. Did you see the? Did you? Yeah. Did, who caught the replay? I don't, lads. Did you catch what he caught on the big screen? He's he. If he doesn't have a bad knee injury, he is a lucky boy. He's superhuman. Uh, I was onto one of our friends there, and uh, I, I told him I'm, I'm going to go to the Bank of Ireland with Philip Brown to sort out his new Irish contract. Yeah. Because they have to. He's the best centre north of the equator without a doubt 100% William you were in the clan terrace the Bundy chant was fantastic I could see it from across the oh, <laughs> absolutely he's a superhero because he, he puts everything in and the crowd have really attached themselves to him and uh, I'm hopeful that his knee is I mean he made a huge break after that so he didn't look too bad coming off he looked a little bit fed up but um, I, I think he'll be fine Lindy Finley Beelan mentioned the fact that ah yeah you know he's he's much calmer than you realise on the pitch and he's a real calming presence we've discovered this in the last few weeks we used to be worried about him saying he needs to calm down but now we realise it's channelled he knows when he's getting excited and he knows when he's not William in first then Lindy yeah it's just one point he did a lot of talking tonight that's what to his own players he was talking to Shane O'Leary and he was also talking to Peter Robb and he was organising them moving them around a little bit just small things tiny things in the defensive line he was just you know his hands were moving just pushing guys and I thought he he also going back to my old topic he stayed a million miles away from the referee in this game didn't say anything to him at all and I think he, he is channeling it not with an earshot <laughs> well, that's, uh, that goes without saying in any rugby player it shouldn't be with an earshot Finley, Finley emphasised it Bundy's a leader for all these young players yeah well if you look at the, the back line it, it, is, it is so young and I think Bundy is kind of um, starting to epitomise, and I think Pat Lamb said it himself, simply put, Bundy is a Connaught man. And I thought that really summed it up. He, he epitomises sort of the ethos of, of Connaught. He does channel his, his aggression, but that, that, but that passion he shows... Is, is what I think the young ones look up to at the same time. So we have here we have um, a South Pacific Islander from New Zealand playing with all his heart and soul for Connaught, and I think people respect that. Oh, for sure. Definitely, definitely. Um, but the other thing about him is, I get the feeling, I don't think it's, I don't want to call it arrogance, but 
he is 100% convinced that he's the best player on the pitch and he's backing it you know he's backing it up and physically he's backing yeah. it up he's 100% certain that he's the best player out there yeah. and he's 100% certain that Connacht are going to win the game and I think all the younger players around him well you feed off that if there's a yeah. if there's a fellow um, Jerry Thornley goes on about Murray Mixted who goes on about the ebb and flow of positive energy like and the positive energy is all here Connacht now with the game with the game they're playing and that's that's he he's the focal point of that before we go to the interviews Alan the wow factor is diminishing that's what I was tweeting about it, it, it doesn't feel there's no more wowness to all this it just feels like pure momentum now well as I said to you before the game this game was everything to me I didn't care about a semi-final or final we had to win this one this was the one that was going to define whether we had made it or not and we've made it post-game press conference we'll hear from Pat Lamb first and we'll hear a bit from Finley Beelham Pat, um, if I was to kind of rate your satisfaction after games, just judging by you across the pitch, like it was a camera reaction, but you must be so satisfied with that result. It was such a key, key win for Connor. Yeah, extremely proud. I mean, I, I said before the game to the guys uh, in my pre-match talk that, no, geez, I'm not nervous at all for this game because, you know, we've worked hard. Um, we have a clear idea on how we can beat them, and, and I know a lot was made out of a lot was made out of derby games, and a lot was made about this this season. Well, we knew they were going to come fired, but we had the same thing when we played them down there. They were they were they were desperate there too, and and I think what we I think I said to a few of them, we don't have many guys who played international rugby, and the ones who have haven't had many caps. And what I'm trying to grow them to do is that that's a great example. Don't worry about everything outside, you know. And I said, if you go to South Africa, it doesn't matter if it's a big test and there's 60,000, 70,000. If you make sure you know what your job is, make sure you understand, and then just go and play. And then it takes away all that sort of pressure. And um, and it sort of came, because we didn't play well at the beginning. We, we start, we, uh, you know, we went behind. But to get 29 answered points was testament to going back to the process, talk about our, our uh, get back into structure. And we spoke about that we were, um, when we weren't working hard into our shapes, we were looking average. And we, instead of having three or four options, we only had one option, which was easy to defend. So, um, yeah, extremely proud. I mean, I said that would big goal was to get the Champions Cup and it's just such a massive, massive achievement for Connacht Rugby to get there on the back. That's ticked off now and you know, and last week I said one game, we've done that. Now we've got to regroup, have a, you know, there's a few sore bodies and hopefully a few more guys come back from injuries. Two weeks to prepare for Treviso. I'll give the boys a few days off now. And uh, and there's the challenge now to get to Treviso and, and where everyone expects us to win, to, to show that we're real contenders by our preparation, the way we play. And then and we do that, we guarantee ourselves a, a semi-final. And then we come back here, and oh, I'm imagining that's going to be massive. I mean, I think we still turned away another thousand people at least, because I know that because Monday from Monday onwards, everyone's been contacting me to try and get some tickets, and I normally have plenty to give, but I didn't have any this time. So it's just a wonderful day for Connacht Rugby, but we'll enjoy it now, and then we'll get back on on to work and get ready. The foundations to a lot of Connacht's good performances have been great backline play, and that's what all the talks about. But the foundation to this win started with the scrum to get back into the game. You know, the game hasn't changed. It still starts up front and, you know, the backs, you know, get the credit and stuff and they do some nice stuff. But I think our team has always been around teamwork and, and, um, and we share share the workload. That's why you got forwards, you know, and backs sharing the the, the, um, the work when it comes to our attack play, but nothing changes. We knew that if we're gonna if we're going to when you to deal with a team that is so pumped and fired and, and coming at you and some quality players coming at you, you've got to win their battle up front and you've got to, you know, start starts with a scrum and line out there's some some areas was wasn't quite right at times, but that was made up by some of the big defence and um, and uh, certainly being able to apply pressure on our face play. Well, Diaki, like the reception he got from the crowd, maybe just sum up how important he is to everything that Connacht are doing. Uh, you know, he's a Connacht man. You know, you can truly say that boy's a Connacht man. He's he's embraced this whole area. He's embraced the people. Um, you know, and and I think you know, you know, Pacific Islanders, we are. Everything is around family, you know, extended family and, and, you know, and it doesn't need to be blood. It just means to be the people you care about. And, you know, Bundy, sees, he always talks about his brothers. He actually, um, uh, he, he just, you know, and probably the thing, you see that side. What I see with Bundy, he pushes some guys really hard. He gets in their faces, they're training. He's physical. He, he wants high standards and he, he will, uh, he, he drives that as well. And he's, he's a big leader off the field and... Um, he can enjoy himself a lot too, you know, socially. 
but he, uh, but but certainly uh, he's got a lot of respect for these guys, and you know he always pumps his chest because he loves this place. Finley Bealham, you got the fourth try to seal off a great performance by yourself, but a great performance by your team as well. It's a huge win for Connor. Yeah, huge win. Um, we got off to a bit of a slow start, but uh, Munster came out firing, and uh, like we knew we would, knew they would. Sorry. And, um, you know, credit to the boys, you know, we just stuck to our, our structure, structures and systems and, um, you know, thank, didn't panic too much and uh, just stuck to what we what we knew and what we trained every day. So, you know, thankfully we come out with the bonus point and the win. 18, or eight points down early on in the game. It's been a while since Connacht have been in a kind of a hole like that. What did you say underneath the post? Yeah, um, I think it was just composure was the biggest thing, like, because, you know, sometimes you think you have to chase the game. But, uh, you know, and then you can get out of your structures a bit. But uh, I think we just stuck to what we, like I said, what we've been training and... Um, you know, thankfully, obviously, we got the results, so happy out now. It was a brilliant finish to the half. Obviously, the foundation of that came from some great work in the scrums. Yeah, like, um, obviously, you know, it's a whole eight effort, and uh, we take a lot of pride um, in our scrum and, like, the whole uh, eight of us working hard and working together. So, um, you know, we'll take, we'll be really happy with that, and then we'll look back uh, this week and look to improve again. When James Cronin got Simbin, Anthony Foley is convinced it should have been the other way. What's your thoughts on that? <laughs> I don't know. I've watched the video, but um, like I thought we were doing good work on it. But like, we'll watch, watch the video and have a look at it. Popped up for that try, but you, in the first half too, you were involved in a good bit of the link play. I mean, including the Adiolokan's try. I mean, talk to me about what the way Conic systems work that players like yourself can just get involved in. Yeah, I actually think Nee just screamed for me to give it to him, so I was like, "Oh, take it, mate! I don't want the ball." Then, then um, like, you know, we did this thing and scored. So um, no, but like you know, we uh, back ourselves and back our skills, and you know, we trained a lot of that during the week, and um, you know, obviously translates uh, quite well uh, in the game. We've heard a lot about goals, uh, Champions Cup qualification secured. By our calculations, is another point should be enough for a top four. You're really starting to look up now, aren't you? Yeah, so um, I think big thing now is just to you know, enjoy this win and then come back next week and um, focus on Treviso because it's going to be a tough game over there and they've got a big four-pack, so we'll have our work cut out for us. But uh, obviously enjoy the win tonight um, and then look to Treviso next week. Here's Anthony Foley briefly, one of his answers in the post-game questions. Uh, Dave was recording the interview there. One thing led to another, you know, a yellow card led to more pressure, which led to another yellow card, which led to a penalty try, <laughs> and I'm surprised there wasn't another yellow card, you know. Um, look, that's, that, that to me, that ten minutes before half-time and uh, ten minutes after half-time where we couldn't peg him back, you know, was uh, probably the crucial moments of the game. Talking about that first yellow card, the scrum was, was a key area in tonight's mm. game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a key area of interpretation, you know, so, you know, we obviously have the value of a replay, but, you know, it's, it just seems that, uh, you know, two games now away from home that James, he's been yellow carded by Ben, so, you know, maybe that's something to look at in the future. Would you think it was harsh? Ridiculously so, it should have been our penalty, <laughs> you know, so, it's not, it's not a case of being harsh, but look, that that's, we can go through it all, like, but... That's life. Dave, Anthony Foley, seeding in the press conference. We'll talk about his overall demeanour in a second, but just uh, that, that answer there. Yeah, what, I mean, I haven't seen it, so he does have the advantage of, of a video. Maybe he's correct, but I don't know. His team is 14-6 up at this point. I see yellow card. Teams get yellow card. You train for yellow cards. Even when you, even if you say, well, they got a, you know, we scored a try. We didn't score a try from that. The try we got was because we, they, we, but, but we botched up a pass and Bundy picks it up and just runs and their line was thrown out of shape because they had been very I have to say they've been very good defensively in the line up to that point but it's a broken play their line is slightly out of shape he, Bundy runs through passes to Finley who, who as he says himself he just literally heard knee screaming and he just got rid of the ball because he's quite happy to and he goes over that's got nothing to do with the yellow card same, same, same with the second same with the second try now that does have to do with the yellow card but again it's because Billy Holland has done something now I, again I haven't seen the replay I, I don't, dived on the ball that's clear coach okay. no well, then, you, then you could argue maybe that's a penalty try so penalty try was coming there anyway yeah. so you know I'm sorry the yellow cards had no effect on that they weren't directly responsible for the tries he's very but his body language is so that's what negative. I want to get to and I was going to ask Lindley about that as well because look we've covered that as well but it, it was important that we capture that bit of audio, just his overall demeanour in the in the wider press conference, he was so frustrated. Well, he well he has to be frustrated, he has to be frustrated with himself and he has to be frustrated with the team. His overall body demeanour was completely negative, um, quiet, 
Um, Most of his best answers were when when he didn't answer. <laughs> or he just snickered or smiled or correct. And and the, I mean, look, there's ways of there's. I suppose we in Connacht are used to defeats, used to this. So yes. we can know, speak with authority. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think there was anything positive that came out of no. that interview. Nothing positive at all. So he didn't look towards any positive. He looked towards the negatives. He looked towards uh, refereeing decisions or whatever. Um, and but you know, at the same time, he's probably looking ahead to this to the fact that this is his season and the Champions Cup. Yeah, Edinburgh next week at all. Yeah, so I'd say he's. I'd say they did come up to Connacht thinking that they were actually going to beat Connacht. Oh, they did, yeah. I think they were primed for it. They 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 were determined that you know, German Park was a as a once off, and it just didn't work out like that for him. And you know, I even noticed him, sort of at, in the second half. At the beginning of the second half, he was standing up in his box and he was directing operations. And I think after. Next Connor trial, the second one, he was sitting down in his seat with a look of despair on his face. Pat Lamb was talking afterwards about his stadium, Alan. Yeah, we, we could definitely do it, something a little bit more than what we have here, but it has to be within walking distance of the town. Wherever they put it, it has to be close, because if we don't, it'll be a waste of time. We move out like they've done in Scarlet's and they've done in Ospreys and places like that to become soulless places where you get the small small number of people. It has to be walking distance to town. No. The home of Connacht Rugby is the sports ground, and you will find that you will lose everything and its integrity and everything that has built up if you move... Connor Rugby away from the sports ground. Possibly what needs to be done is that there needs to be some conversations with the stakeholders. And in having those conversations with the stakeholders, then possibly something could be done to develop this wonderful, wonderful stadium right in the middle of town, within walking distance of the train station, and one where the players, which the, in which the players love. And this has been the comb of Connor Rugby for I don't know how many years, as long as I've been here, and I'm not going to say how many years that is. But you can't take Connacht Rugby away from here at the stage. No, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying if, if, if it was to move, because we can't, because of the setup with the fact that it's owned by the Galway Agricultural and Sporting Organisation, and that it's, it's leased to the, to the Greyhounds, and we're sub, the Connacht sublease it off them. So there's an awful lot of technical stuff in the way. Like I'm talking about if they do get the planning permission for the bay, and they can put in a, you know, there's going to be an extra. Um, um, port down at the thing. There'll be, spa- there'll be space down there to put a stadium. Strange place to try and, and put, a, put a, a pitch and everything, but no. I suppose in today's technology, yeah. Why? why? They have one in Wellington. <laughs> yeah, it works, I suppose. Yeah, you can put it on the docks and just what, I, Personally, it. yes, I'd, lo- I'd love to Wellington has here. a population of about 500,000. That's only in Wellington City itself, not excluding the hut. Um, I think sometimes we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Pat Lamb can very well talk about having a stadium, but this is literally the first year that we have galvanised the support because of Champions Cup rugby, and I don't think we should be getting quite ahead of ourselves just yet as to be building stadia, which cost fortune down in the docks. Although, as much as we, if we had the money, it would be great, but, you know, we are a very small community here, and the support is growing. Let's harness that at the moment and not get too, let's not get too carried away. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think uh, it's a fine idea, but it's something for the future. There is work that could be done to improve this ground, uh, but I think you would lose a lot by moving from it here. You could put a story, a, a seated story on top yeah, of it. Yeah, we've seen the designs. The planning permission has been gone on that. Yeah, well, that's that, that's a starting point. Uh, how many tickets could you actually sell? I, I, I don't he know. He reckoned there was another thousand we could have got in tonight, was his quote, but I think he, he mentioned 15,000 as a stadium. I mean, it is a 500,000 population in the entire province. Lindy's talking about Wellington. What do you reckon? No, no, I think, I think 15,000 is a that's, a... that's a good number to go for. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a really good number to go yeah, for. And you want you, that middle line. Like You exactly. want to be able to host a semi-final. You're not always going to hit 15,000. You're not always going to sell that out, but I think to have 15K here is, is eminently achievable if you go, you know... The amount of people you speak to, they say, "Oh, I'd love to go up, but geez, you get rained on, and you know, it's, you know, there's always these factors and all that." You want to have a stadium, people want to go to do that. They're comfortable in. You can bring families to that kind of stuff, you know. And uh, I think, yeah, I think 15k is a good number, but it needs to grow incrementally, as opposed to 
build a, a massive 26,000 seater stadium that you know might not be getting the rugby it's supposed to be getting. Have to look at Tom and Park, <laughs> the season. I mean, it, it, it's it's you know. It's, whereas, whereas I Raven was ever so subtly bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> we could we'd have painted seats and it looked good. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with the guys. I think I think we can incrementally build. I don't. I think Pat was looking down the line 15,000, but I think he was he was in a good frame of mind. He was being optimistic. But even he, even when he's most optimistic, I think he thinks 15,000 is the limit, and that's not for Dale tomorrow. And yeah, put a stand in here, uh, do something, put something on the terraces because I mean. I've never stood in the terraces here and I have no intention of ever standing in the terraces here I mean tonight was lovely but there's been other days where you're just looking at the the poor guys behind the stands in wind and rain it's not encouraging people to come along especially when you go from five to seven and also would it not be cheaper to build a new dog track in the docks then to build a new a 20,000 seat rugby stadium down there anyway yeah that's okay fair enough it's good finish we're going to wrap up but before we do that Alan was chatting with James Heaslip earlier uh, today he does all the Tannoy announcements here Good old bit of fun with him. Before yeah, the game, wasn't it? Yeah, he's the he's the, um, he's the warm-up man. He, he, when I asked him about what his, his role was, well, you'll, you'll hear his answer. OK, I've got James Heaslip here. Who's... who's what, what is your title? I never thought of it before, what my title is. I'm the... Uh, MC uh, Village Fool, I think. In the old days, I used to be the court jester. Yeah, that's what I do. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. The warm-up guy. Uh, the warm-up guy. Yeah, warm the crowd <laughs> up. That's me. Yeah, yeah. How did you? How did you? How did you get this? Like, uh, you know, I've, I, I even believe you got to the to, to Lansdowne Road at one stage. Got to the European Cup final in front of sixty odd thousand people because the one where Toulon played um, uh, the French, the all French oh, one, yeah, Toulon, yeah. and anyway, um, which was great. Except everybody was French and probably didn't know what we were talking about. <laughs> uh, but it was good. It's good. Uh, good. Uh, then we did the night before. We did the Am- Find which Leinster won, which is good fun. That was a great night. Um, and I say we because I do it with Gareth Phillips, who does the. He's the guy you hear all making all the actual score announcements and stuff. Right. Um, so when the cock-ups are made, that's Gareth. I do it all right. He makes the cock-ups. Um, but I started about uh, twelve years ago up in Jerry before the clan time was here up in Jerry's office, old office, yeah. with a tannoy system and a mic out the window, and uh, very much make it up. It was just me and my own very up, make it up. I used to be doing all the own music, so I would play my own music. That all got curbed in over the years. Um, but uh, yeah, so I start from there, out my little window, and then it's kind of morphed into that. Now we're going into team meetings two hours beforehand, and there's six or eight people in the room. We're all going through our yeah. So it's it's well a, bit, a bit like the team that becomes so professional now at this stage. Yeah, and you guys have as well. Yeah, everybody's look. The whole thing has gone up different levels. You know, it's not Mickey Mouse anymore. I mean, people used to say to me, "Hey, uh, slops, uh, listen, will you uh, uh, play a request for someone's birthday?" Yeah, no problem. Now, like, if it's not in the script, I ain't reading. I'm Ron Burgundy. If it's not there, you know, I ain't reading it. So. Um, yeah. Now, one question. One question I've been asked to ask. You know, there's this, this, you know, uh, feeling out there you should never work with animals and children, but you seem to do a decent job. <laughs> a lot of people say I'm the donkey, and then, this, and then you have the children. Uh, I listen. The kids are great, but I always get stick about the uh, asking the same questions. Yeah. And the reason is that if I vary from it at all, they're likely kids will say anything. They really will. Of, of course they will. And, I, and I the kids that. haven't heard the ones before. No, no, they haven't. And, so. and you don't know what answers they're going to give. No, and I still get a laugh out of it anyway. They'll exactly. always somebody will always say something funny. So it's a bit of crack with them, you know. And are you ever going to try that kick over the uh, over the stand? You and I both know that if I put my mind to it, it would happen. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff, thanks, right. James. That's perfect. All right. Like if we could do a podcast for an hour, and I don't think we'd cover half the game. But now there's loads more in the game that we haven't even got into. Uh, maybe just some of the elements. Like it starts with the scrum. The scrum was phenomenal tonight. That laid the platform. But maybe leaving that aside, is that how we dug our way out of what was a tight situation? Yeah, I think it's it's very. I don't know. We kind of I hear you guys say it, and it's regular enough that everybody believes in the system here. But it's actually it's quite simple that that's what it is. We're not kind of aren't really playing with a classic, you know, ten where you know you get the skip pass to the thirteen or stuff like that, or pinging down into the corners, and so they're. They've, come, they've devised this other game plan Patney's coaches devised this, this other game plan and it's working really well it's really 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 good to watch unfortunately I won't be here the 7th of May because for good reasons I hear yeah for great reasons yeah, yeah, wonderful reasons <laughs> but I, 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 uh, how did you plan that? do you think I had yeah, hands after a part in the planning of that? yeah yeah good point well I did a part in it, anyway uh, the, no because I think that game has potentially uh, it has the potential to be the best game of rugby on a dry track for this season that you're going to see Glasgow against Connacht played the best uh, 
they play, both teams play the best rugby in the in the Pro 12, possibly in Europe. Like you know, they don't have the real power game of everybody else. I was watching Glasgow today, and they filleted the Scarlets. Mm. Now I am, I have to say, when you were talking about pragmatism earlier, they are excellent in the tackle. And if we go to play out of trouble like that, they turned over the Scarlets at will. I would be. I'd have reservations about that. But at this, by the same token, I'd love to see them go. I'd love to see them go for it. Both teams go for it here in the seventh. It's like it, it, the the prize that you get out of that game is going to be a home semi final, and I just hope both teams go for it. You know? Alton how well did he play, Alan? And maybe some of the other forwards. You mentioned Sean O'Brien. I, I thought Delan was playing kind of a different role, more. In close to the in close carries and and just more kind of dog work. He gives a lot of go forward ball, whether and and he gives a lot of go forward when we didn't have the ball, because he was he was smashing guys. Sean, uh, Sean McCartney, Tom McCartney, Tom McCartney. He was outstanding. Massive. He was massive. Every time someone went near him, there was a judder. It was either Delan or Sean or Tom McCartney. He thought he was he was excellent. And of course, when you've got a front row that's putting everybody else in the front foot, the rest of the back row can play really well as well. I'd be really interested to see the tackling stats for Owen McKeown again. He seemed to be tackling everything that moved. Absolutely, it was brilliant. William John Muldoon did a carry underneath the post at one stage when it looked like they were about to get a turnover. He just picked and went. And McCartney did a little carry on halfway that just got us back on the front foot. There was lots of hidden work by some of our more experienced players who were really on top four. Yeah, they all were, but I think that came from the dominance they had in the scrum because Munster rugby has been based on scrum and contact winning forever. That's what they set out to do in a game and that never settled for them today and that gives you the confidence to take decisions like John Muldoon did, drove forward and um, that, that, that's, where it, that's where the start was, that's where it came from. You, you think Peter Robb's developing well? Yeah, yeah, he's he's doing quite well. There was nothing flash out of him or anything like that. He's an awful lot of players. They they had like decent games. They all made positive uh, contributions. For me, uh, I like Connacht's footwork going into going into the tackle. Um, and then they're like they're like a newly caught fish. Then when they hit the ground, because they they flop over, they flip, they flip back. They're, you know, the ball presentation is very good. Like and they're they're doing that really well. And some of the skills. Did you see Finlay Bealham's catch, juggle and catch down there before the? Like how he held that ball is, is just defies logic, and it, it led to the scrum that led to the drop. Exactly, exactly. And they just they just seem to be they're working on the work ons. They're they're just and they're fully they're fully committed to what they're going to do. And do you know what? When you're when everybody is that way on a team, it's going to yield a good result. Munster don't look that way. Munster look poorly coached. You know, um, Anthony Foley had these fanboys in the press that were, you know, shouting for him to take over and to go back to traditional values. But the game has evolved from that now, thank God, because, you know, and I think they're, they're reaping the reward of that too. We're definitely playing super rugby. Yeah. That's exactly what we're playing. I was watching a bit of it today, and then I watched that today, and, I, you know, and you're sort of going, that's definitely super rugby. Andre Best was walking out there as I sort of popped around looking for Andre Bell. Mike, um, Andre Bell, sorry, I keep calling him Andre Best. Yeah. And he was just grinning like a Cheshire cat. He was the guy, I haven't seen a man so content in my life as someone who's obviously seen everyone do what he wanted them to do. And they were, you know, he's just happy that they're doing the things that they should be. And it's just great to see. And it'll hopefully kick on and, and you know, other teams will start doing the same sort of stuff in the, within, within Ireland. That, you know, we get more talented guys believing in themselves because the, sh- the sheer belief that the team have in what they're doing is just fantastic to watch we're almost finished Lindley I just wanted to mention Nia Diolokan because I just think he's playing incredibly well at the moment well he's the fast, fastest man in Connacht for a start he loves getting the ball he loves running he um, obviously he still has a lot of work-ons if you think about it he was playing you know club rugby in Trinity a couple of years ago a couple of seasons ago he's certainly developing he has the pace he has the attitude that's right he's a he's a you know a great addition to the squad like like players like Matt Healy are as well and some of the youngsters and I think that's all part of of the the new Connet ethos that Pat Lamb has introduced that to bring these young players through, you know, give them their opportunities. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, someone like Peter Robb, I'm not sure how many games he started this year, three, I think, possibly. Oh, um, 12, anyways, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, Pete, and is, is quite at home. 
you know, in the centre. Yes, he, he's, he, he does his... I think Pat Lamb's, you know, this philosophy says that everyone has their job, or Finley Bellum would repeat it, you know, this mantra, I have my job to do, I don't get phased, I don't get excited, I just do my job, because when it's clear, and that's what I do. In fact, I think Finley Bellum said when he got that ball or that pass, he, all he wanted to do was get rid of it quickly, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's, it's just part of this, part of this philosophy that has been created, you know, in Connacht, and you mentioned Andre Ball, probably one of the quietest, quietest, you know, coaches and I'm delighted I'm delighted for him because there's those people who actually who, who possibly don't get the recognition they probably get the recognition within the con- inner circles but possibly not the wider circles so yes there are coaches like Andre Ball and Dave Alice the school's coach you know and of course Jimmy Duffy um, who probably are particularly people like Jimmy Duffy and I have to say and I'll just mention Eric Howard because Pat Lamb mentioned him in his he press specifically conference mentioned he said when he was asked what was the most pleasing aspect, I think it was Jerry Thornley who actually asked that question of this game, he said, I'm pleased for Eric Alwood. And he went on to say that basically he was using Eric Alwood as the epitome of what is good and great about Connacht, what has been you know, sad about Connacht in the past, the trials, the tribulations that we've gone through, and that Eric Alwood basically represents Connacht and its supporters. Brilliant. Hey, stat, Dave. 23 different Connacht players have scored tries in the Pro 12 to this year after Finley Bealan became got his first Pro 12 try of the season. I'm disappointed it's not more. I would have thought it would be more. <laughs> That's great. I mean... And it's probably 30 when you put in, uh, in the Pro 12. if you consider, I don't think... I, I, I think... I don't think... Uh, it, it doesn't... It doesn't matter who's on the end. I mean, yeah, it doesn't, does it? I mean, I thought I got over. It. I mean, I saw a blonde guy diving over the line. I looked up and I said, "Well, I thought possibly it was Peter Robb. It could have been. Yeah. It could have been Fiona was on at the time. It turns out to be Finley. Yeah, who cares? It doesn't matter who's on the end. They do their jobs well, and then when the when the other stuff happens, which is fifty percent of the game, is even probably even more. They get to express themselves, and you could see the difference. I mean, I hate to go back to it, I, but. Munster, when they were allowed to express themselves in the first 20 minutes, looked really good, and then they tightened up and they were told, go back to being pragmatic, and it didn't work. We were pragmatic to get back into the game, and then once we had a, we had a foot on in front, we just went, you know what, let's, let's have some fun, and my God, didn't we just. I love that point about mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who's at the end, because in this team, it really doesn't. Like, look at Nee's try, two tries last week. Everyone was talking about all the build-up play. Well, he's pre, four in two games, I got it wrong. Pre already. the Grenoble game, he said, you know, he hasn't scored, but he knows his chance will come. <laughs> <laughs> he's four, four, tries, four tries to do games. It's like, do you know, uh, he could tell me the lot of numbers uh, if he wants. <laughs> no, but, sounds, that's, yeah. but that, that's it. Dave's right. It, it kind of it doesn't really matter. But they, but they all know what you know what to, what to expect. It's very rare you see somebody you know. I was going to say not deviating from script. They don't really play to a script. They don't play to a script. But it's you never you see really often see somebody isolated like or anything like that. It's just clever, clever rugby. Simple, simple, simple. Really simple stuff. But it looks really good. It looks really, really good. But it's, but it's well structured. Yeah. And I think that's the vital, the vital part. It is very extremely well structured. And our players didn't look tired tonight. I keep hearing all week about players being tired, and our players don't look tired. No. Why would they? They're professionals. It's their job, and they love what they're doing. So why would they be tired? And the impact from the bench that Pat talked about earlier in the year, they wasn't happy about, it, is there now, lads? Three people who have any other business. Two have said they don't, uh, or well, you can finish with any other business. William, I'll start with you. Just then, you don't have any other business, but no, so right. that's why I'm going to just make you sum up how you feel overall. Absolutely delighted. Uh, sets up the rest of the season. Uh, toddle off to Treviso in two weeks and give them a hiding. Which won't, shouldn't be a problem. They're no, truly There's awful. No reason to truly them. awful. They're, the, they, them. they're bottom of the table yeah. for a reason. They're crap. And if so another person tells me, <laughs> if another person tells me that Treviso are chasing that last Italian spot, so you have to, you don't have to watch them. They're useless. No, and that's the, I. That's not a problem. And then it sets to me, and then it sets up Glasgow here on the seventh of May. And if you're a player and you're Pat Lamb, you you can't say that. No, oh, I know that. Yeah, <laughs> but we can say that. <laughs> well, that's they are, it. They still are. Soft listening players. They still are chasing that last place in Europe and they're not going to give it up easy. Ah, they're useless though. Sorry, Lindy. But don't get me wrong. That's just our opinion. But they truly are useless. Alan, did you have any other business? No, just when you were talking about the stadium and I was chatting to someone earlier on today about, you know, how long they've been watching Connacht. I used to bring my dog to the match. She used to sit here here, and she'd she'd potter along and I remember not bringing her one day and and people asked me, where's where's Lady? Where's she gone? You know, how come she's not here today? Yes, tonight. The place was absolutely hopping. Fantastic. It's a real privilege to be here, it really is. 
I want my only other business is just that if Bundiaki was playing in New Zealand still, one of the things that they don't have over there that we have over here is a kind of tribal nature to our support. So I think a player like Bundy. He, when you see him walking off the pitch and the entire stadium is bouncing saying Bundy, Bundy that won't happen in New Zealand it just doesn't you don't get that atmosphere it won't happen in Australia it won't happen in South Africa it's something unique to us and Bundy came here and God there was the weather and there was this stadium which doesn't really feel like a rugby stadium but now he has this this adulation I think it makes him the player who he is Two quick small things One you can sell 84,000 tickets for a game of rugby. It doesn't make it an event. It doesn't make it a match, especially when the previous week for a match that really did matter, you could only sell 7,000. And it's what those 7,000 people do. Tonight was about what 7,000 people could do. I'm sorry, 84,000 tickets. Don't think this is a great sign for your club at all. Uh, it's when you can't get eight, when you can't get 8,000 for a European quarterfinal. That's a big thing. And for, and, That's Saracens, by the way. Yeah. And finally, um, I feel sorry for Finley. He's got his first try for Connacht. He's bouncing. You can see it in his eyes. He is absolutely bouncing he uh, he got a smack in the face it turns out he's fine and uh, he has to go home and play PlayStation rather than go out and possibly celebrate with his friends his colleagues and his uh, he and his sounded fans. really excited about going home yeah. to play the PlayStation he's going home to play PlayStation because tomorrow morning he and five, four of the guys who played in Quinru were going up to a camp along with ten like ten guys from Munster who I can imagine are feeling a hell of a lot rougher than he is including some props and not including Dennis Buckley let's not even go any further on that what nonsense <laughs> But you took one of my any other business <laughs> okay. take there up. Uh, my any other business is actually a business venture I'm getting into it, William. Uh, we're Ooh. doing um, a travel to Eastern Europe uh, advice bureau for any province uh, that may not be, you know, staying in the Champions Cup that might be going to Bo- the likes of Bucharest, Sochi, Krasnodar. Yeah. In the event, in case it happens. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm going to be William Silent Backer on this. That's the plan. We'll get them there. <laughs> then the ending. Other, I prefer them to go to Krasnyask, actually. Yeah, and that could happen. They are flying in the qualifiers. That's it from us. I think Dave has a point. No, no, it's actually been better. It's unfortunate I can't get both teams from uh, from Krasnyask in the same group. That would be the only <laughs> twice. <laughs> All right, listen. That's it from us. Munster beaten. Treviso in two weeks' time. Myself and William were going over. Well, I hope Giuseppe from Italian Telecom is nowhere near us. <laughs> if I see Giuseppe coming, oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. It's okay, Giuseppe. We're fine. We'll figure it out ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Thanks, folks. Good. Thanks Good to up. our studio audience. <laughs> <laughs>